Hello and welcome all to the Partnered Primary Care Research Podcast. Research for you, by you. A podcast dedicated to learning more about patient and community partners in patient-oriented primary care research in Canada. The Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network is proud to present this podcast with a focus on public representation in health. Join us to discover who our community partners are in our network and the people who work with them. Hi, and welcome to the Partnered Primary Care Research Podcast, research for you, by you. My name is Jillian Bartlett-Escalant, and I'm the Executive Director of the Network Coordinating Office of the Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network. I am very pleased to have Shanil Pathak here from Alberta today as our guest. Hi, Shanil. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Jillian. Well, originally I'm from Ottawa, and then I lived overseas for quite a number of years before landing in Vancouver. And then from Vancouver, I moved to Calgary. I've been here for about many years. It's home now. I like to glide, so I'm a pilot. I live with uh, my dog, Zoe. And I became involved as a patient advocate just through uh, my own lived experience as a caregiver to, to my late wife. Thank you. I think you previewed my next question. But why don't you go into a little more detail about why you became a patient partner and you've described yourself also as a patient advocate? Sure. So a patient partner provides the ability to influence the research direction and priority. And often there are many stakeholders that influence the research question. And not often patient concerns or areas of interest are given weight or influence in the direction of research. So I became a patient partner because I feel today, in today's world, we can influence the direction of research and the prioritization of research, which I believe is very important. Often there's a lot of, there's a lot of stakeholders uh, involved in research and a lot of prioritization because of these stakeholders may not uh, be aligned with what patients and participants want. And so uh, by being involved in an official capacity, we can make that um, influence and basically have a seat at the table. And I think this is important because there's two things that are changing in healthcare. Uh, one is the democratization of data and the internet. So we can connect with people, we can connect with clinical research papers, even conferences, and understand what's happening around the world. And so that can influence us in our advocacy when it comes to being uh, a patient partner. If you go back 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. And so we have the knowledge, we have the ability to communicate with peers to really have a seat at the table. Okay, so I'm going to follow up a little bit on that. Tell us a little more about what you are doing personally as a patient partner and what matters the most to you in this work. So as a patient partner, I mainly focus on health data and having a voice. And I say that health data is because of my background. So I'm a computer engineer by background, did a lot of consulting work and use data in my wife's circumstance when she had cancer. And we found the value of, and the importance of data for her to do her own research. And we both became citizen scientists. And I think that's where I could contribute as being a patient partner is the lived experience, but also coming from the technology angle in respect to data. Great. So you come from an engineering background. You've done a lot of work with data and are thinking a lot about communication. 
What advice would you have for someone thinking of becoming a patient partner? Well, I think the only way to influence a system is to have a voice in a position of influence. And when I joined, I was telling the team how we should be treated as consultants, no different from a physician or a nurse, because of our lived experience, you can't get that from a textbook. You can't take that from a course. And that lived experience is highly valuable to influencing where research goes, but also in the support of researchers to accelerate their health technology assessments, as well as recruitment, as well as, you know, successful execution of their other clinical study. And how did you actively get involved with the network? You're involved with the Alberta network. How did you start with them and what have you been involved with there? I think I started as a patient advocate with the cancer control. And through that, I became an advocate. I was working on the new cancer center, the design, and I saw how important, but also how valued patient advocacy and and patient uh, input was. And that's where I started as a patient advocate. And then I I became a, a patient partner because as I became more networked in the space, then I met other partners. They saw the need for a person who uh, has this experience, especially on the technology side, and how to leverage that to further and improve the Canadian healthcare system. And I was invited to become a, a patient partner. And so as a recent participant, what I focus on, for example, is patient rights and patient de- rights to data, as well as how to influence the research. I always advocate about ethics and being having a seat at the table, because I think there's a lot of ethical questions, which may not be of concern to patients having a voice there. And also this other area, which we found as going through with my wife's experience is the, the lack of uh, participation in clinical studies and the lack of recruitment and the attrition. And so as a patient partner, I think we could have a valuable contribution to reduce the attrition rates as well as improve the recruitment rates by either framing the clinical study in a different way or providing feedback in terms of what's valuable to individuals such that they would want to be more engaged. I think we're in a point in time where people are tired of being information givers to clinical studies. And what we want is to be more engaged and patient partners is one channel to be um, provide that influence. That's a really interesting term you use. I've heard that a lot from different patients and patient partners and being a giver with nothing being reciprocated. And I think people are understanding that this is a partnership and they need to reframe their thinking about how research is conducted and how the people who contribute to successful research should be recognized and valued. So I like that term. Can you share a moment in your patient partner journey that either touched you the most or you're most proud of? Yeah. In 2019, I was asked to chair a working group to create a declaration of patient health data rights and obligations for Canada. As you know, the access to your own health data and our data rights is fragmented across the country. It's not uniform, and it's not, I would say, consistently communicated to the individual of what their rights are. And so what we did is we created a working group that was created in the Patient Redefining Healthcare Summit, which uh, occurs in Toronto annually. 
And we reviewed all the laws and the current policy and in, in collaboration with many other patient organizations and legal experts, we drafted this declaration. In June of 2021, we published the declaration and we have 20 patient organizations endorsing the declaration. It's also been circulated to PICA and SPORE. So the whole purpose of the declaration is to create credibility and, and, and have it valid by getting patient organizations to sign it, endorse it. Second is to use it as an educational tool to individuals to know what your rights are, be it in a clinical study or just day-to-day -day in respect to your health data. And then it's gone from that to having some national, well, the federal government and also some provincial governments looking at that when they're assessing health data rights policies in their laws. So that was one, one of the areas where built as a patient partner, I was able to provide an impact. And then the, the other area is from my own experience as a advocate, which then became a patient partner in a different sense. So, and, and I have a digital health startup that started because of the, uh, the experience as a partner. That's fantastic. I, I really like the notion of the declaration of, of patients' rights to information. I think clarifying all of these things and giving people guidance that they can refer to is very helpful. So I've been asking you a lot about your experience and the things you've contributed and done. I am, of course, on the other side of that desk, and I'm a researcher. And I'm wondering if you have any messages for the researchers out there who are new to this idea of patient-partnered research and are considering embarking on what everybody's heard me say is a challenging but rewarding endeavor. Mm -hmm. I would suggest to researchers to reflect on the benefits of having participants engage and influence research. So the, what I've heard from researchers, some of the top challenges they have are recruitment, I'd say about retention, and then an efficient ethics submission. So I think that's the area is where patient partners could participate and, and support researchers. For example, giving advice on how to recruit, what channels to use to recruit, social media, and then also on the communication to participants and how important it is to communicate and be transparent. Now, obviously, there's the ethics component to it, but when my wife was going through a clinical study, the challenge was not the actual health technology, it was logistics. Logistics of going from Calgary to Edmonton for a clinical study and taking time off and understanding what the plan is, how to be engaged, how frequent we have to be at the hospital, what type of tests, all this could be front-loaded and provided to us. And in fact, it's the caregivers that are doing the driving or doing the logistics that are often not considered in that communication, which may influence recruitment. And then, of course, as the, the retention part, which Jillian, you mentioned, is about part of retention means what is a promise back? And what are we getting that is really meaningful? The $50 gift card may not be as valuable as the data or information or even your published information and the contribution. So we offer that dialogue. Those are, I think, the two key things. And then in regard to the ethics uh, submission, I've seen this in other countries where patient participants are part of that discussion about the ethics. And what they found is that certain things which were considered of high concern were actually not 
if you actually ask the individuals. And this is the irony of ethics submissions, which I believe in ethics submissions, that you're going to get the physicians, you're going to get the researchers, the ethics, but you're not going to get a patient um, practitioner there or a participant giving a voice when they're the ones who are going to be influenced directly by the study. So I think having a voice there would actually be in favor of the research and the, and the protocol. That's an excellent point, having patient partners involved when you're really getting into the details of your practical approach for a study and what is meaningful in terms of compensation or retaining or even communication about what is involved in the study and why people should get involved in it. And I think that you're absolutely right. That's something the patient partners can do very well. I still remember one of the studies where I was engaging with parents who had lost a child to brain cancer and all of the things that are typical in studies like Amazon gift cards and that were not relevant at all. And it was more being able to give meaning to such a meaningless event that was important to them. And having still somebody who uh, wanted to hear and listen and have some positive out of such a tragic situation. So I think, and I would have never, as a researcher, having never gone through that situation myself, have realized that was the importance of their participation. So you make an excellent point, Chanel. So these are, this has been really interesting to talk about your perspective. What's great about these podcasts is every single patient partner brings a different lens to this and has different insight to share new knowledge and ways that we can think about doing things. Do you have any final words for our audience? I think the Canadian healthcare system has gone through tremendous strain, especially during COVID. And this includes clinical research. From my understanding, about 80% of clinical research studies were either stopped or severely impacted because of the COVID policies. And so we, we have to rethink how research is done, especially now with virtual care. And I think the, the contribution from patients is don't consider them patients. They're not a class in a Canadian society. Patients come with professional experience from a variety of backgrounds. And it's leveraging those professional experiences coupled with lived experience as a patient. That combination can really impact positively the direction of clinical studies and also the success. And in my case, for example, my technical background plus being a caregiver uh, is how I contribute. And so I think it's important that at the end of the day, if you look at it, everybody's going to be a patient or a caregiver. It's just the nature of health. So let's not look at it as a patient partner. Let's look at it as Canadians who want to help the system and also help research. And you can contribute in many ways. And that could be from your lived experience, but also from your professional experience. And having that outside voice is where you could get innovation and you could get advancement in clinical studies that could be far beyond what the classic methods are. I 100% agree with you. And I think you articulated that much better than I have to date. So I really appreciate that. Thank you, Chenille. For those of you wondering how you can get involved as a Canadian or community partner, if you go to our website, spore-picky.com, that's S-P-O-R-P-I-H-C-I.com, on the landing page, there's a map. If you click on your province or territory, the links for that particular picky network will appear. 
On their website, you should find more information on how to link with your local primary care research groups. At the bottom of the page, there's also a link under Get in Touch that will allow you to email us directly. This is the same page where you can find our previous podcasts. I would like to thank our production staff, Anik Beaudry, Jamie Demore, and our own production patient partner, Ken Cadigan Lofsgaard. Join us for our next episode for more voices from our patient and community partners, where we are highlighting the active and engaging role they play in our patient-oriented research agenda for primary care. In other words, more research for you, by you. This podcast was brought to you by the Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network, otherwise known as the PICI Network, in collaboration with the Alberta Strategy for Patient-Oriented Research PICI Network. Visit our website at sporepicky.com. That's S-P-O-R hyphen P-I-H-C-I dot com to learn more about our activities and upcoming events.